Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Trucker Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. We're going to talk about affordable housing and know your rights as a tenant. Thank you for joining me this afternoon at 1.26 p.m. this Saturday, the 4th of December. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me this Saturday afternoon here in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Doug. Now, you know, I guess it was Sunday, this past Sunday. And I always do my morning show on the Sunday, Saturdays and Sundays. And for some reason, last Sunday, no matter what I did or what I had to do, the internet was just not working at all. Tried in the morning, tried in the afternoon, tried in the evening, couldn't do it. So, figured, well, I'll do one Saturday. I was going to do one here this morning, but... Um, I wanted to get out and beat the rush at the malls and, you know, get my Christmas shopping done for the grandkids because it's just chaotic. So I'm going to do one here this afternoon. Now, here in Ontario and, you know, even really across Canada, um, you know, trying to find you know, affordable housing. And, you know, here in Ontario, I mean, I guess we're, we're sort of in a crisis when it comes to affordable housing and affordable rent, you know, because rents, you know, depending on where you live here in Canada, you know, uh, the three biggest cities, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal, you know, have the highest living costs, you know, in in the entire country. Now, for people, you know, what is affordable rent? I mean, if you're lucky, you know, and if people, you know, who've been maybe renting for the last 10 years or maybe 15 years of renting a three bedroom townhouse, you're lucky that you're paying a thousand dollars a month for a three bedroom. You're not going to get that anywhere else. That's right in the city that I reside in, in London, Ontario. Now, a three-bedroom townhouse, if you're renting that in Toronto, that, that's going to run you $2,400, $2,500 or more for rental. If you're going to rent a one-bedroom ap- apartment in Toronto, that's going to cost you probably up around $1,500 for a one-bedroom. Here, here in London, 
Ontario, you know, one bedrooms are $1,100 for a one bedroom or anywhere from $900 to $1,100 for a one bedroom. Now, for the, so the Ontario government here is addressing, you know, these local priorities, you know, when it comes to um, fixing um, the housing, like the London housing, doing repairs and fixing them up. So addressing the local priorities, you know, the Community Homeless Prevention Initiative gives local governments flexibility to better meet the needs of people and families who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. So repairs to social and affordable housing units, 355,000. Households receiving help to pay rent or make down payments, 94,000. Infested in off the reserve for the indigenous households since 2008 is 168 million. Now, the, the, the Canada and Ontario Community Housing Initiative. So this initiative uh, is to provide funding to service managers to replace the federal social housing agreement funding that expires each year beginning April 2019. So these, this um, funding is to uh, for repairs um, to regenerate to uh, regenerate and expand community housing, protect affordability affordability uh, support for tenants, support community housing provides um, whose whose original program arrangements are expiring, and help the community housing provide providers become more sustainable. Now, who is going to be and who is, you know, who is eligible um, for the Canada-Ontario Housing Benefit? And the program provides a direct monthly benefit payment to eligible households to help pay their rent. The benefit payments are portable, which means you may receive the benefits even when you move to another address and based on the household income and the local market rent. So maybe, you know, this, this benefit will, depending on where you're living, social housing or whatever the case may be to help you pay a portion of it. And people, families, whatever, um, eligible for this include survivors, of domestic violence and human trafficking, people experiencing or they're at risk of becoming homeless, the indigenous people, seniors, and people with disabilities. And of course, you know, like I said, helping survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking, uh, trafficking so survivors of the of domestic viol uh, violence and human trafficking may receive priority 
placement for social housing units or a portable housing benefit. Or they may be eligible for those uh, for Canada and Ontario Housing Benefit Program for a direct monthly benefit to help them pay their rent. And this can help the survivors find immediate housing in their community instead of waiting for a social housing uh, unit to become available. So, you know, survivors of, of, um, of, of domestic and human trafficking, um, you know, for the agencies um, here in the city, um, the women, uh, the women's shelter, um, they have um, units available. Um, I guess they would call it the, uh, the first step. Um, get you into a, a unit which still is protected, which um, no male or whatever would be able to enter. And then get you moved out into the community. Now, Ontario, you know, with this housing initiative, um, looking at new affordable rental construction. Now we've, we've had some buildings uh, go up in our communities here across the city. And there's still a couple of places um, where they could be building in, in one particular place. Um, and this building is, it's probably like three quarters um, torn down and the main building is still standing, but you know, it's a real eyesore for the city. It, it truly is. And the city really needs to get on this, knock down the rest of this building, clean up that entire site you can build affordable units on it. Another property, they're working on this, um, used to be the old psychiatric, uh, psychiatric hospital. And this has lots of land to build on. Now, Another place where they're, where they're uh, going to build is where the old uh, Victoria Hospital used to stand. And that is going to have affordable housing. So Ontario here, Ontario, Canada, here in the city that I reside in, they do, I mean, they're, they're trying to make ground here and, and they do have a housing initiative. And, and these things take time and these things take time to build. Now, so the Ontario Priorities Housing Initiative for a new affordable rental construction, um, community housing repairs, rental assistance, tenant supports, and affordable home ownership. Now, affordable home ownership, I mean, homes right now are not affordable for a lot of people. It's been a buyer's market for a long time and there's been bidding wars going on every time a house goes up for sale. People are getting over 100,000 asking. An average, the average 
cost to buy a home in the city that I reside in starts at 650000 Now, for affordable home ownership, I mean, is, is the government going to have some financial assistance? You know, grants? A small loan to help, but you still have to apply for the mortgage, right? And you still have to be approved for the mortgage. You know, and, and, and you know, and of course, I mean, that goes, you know, aside with how good your credit is. And can you afford it? Now, what's been happening, you know, and I, I just, you know, find this really, really appalling. You know, when it, you know, when it comes to um, your rights as a tenant. Now, you may be, you know, renting a, a three-bedroom townhouse and you've been renting it, you know, 15, 20 years. And it's a place where, you know, your kids have grown up. It's a place that, you know, has become your home, the neighborhood, schools close by, shopping close by. And what's been happening um, in this one particular uh, townhouse complex that I'm very familiar with um, has been sold. The, the, the new owners of this complex are turning them into condos. So that means everybody there has been giving a notice to move out. And you get first choice if you want to buy. Now these townhouses, they're electric heat. They're asking some, I think somewhere around 465,000 a unit. And believe me, I can tell you that they're not worth 465,000. One, it's electric heat. If someone were to buy a unit there, it would cost you a fortune to put in a gas furnace. It would cost you a fortune to put in the return air vents. You would be on the hook for the entire expense, in, including running the gas lines to the units. And it would be almost an impossible task because if everybody who bought there decided they want gas, they would have to tear up that whole place to run these gas lines. From the road from the street out and that would be at the cost of the tenants the new owners of these units now these people have been paying rent there for all these years and they've been paying around a thousand dollars a month for a three-bedroom townhome and now they have to move because they've been sold to rent a three bedroom townhouse someplace else in the city 
is going to run you anywhere from $1,500 to $1,800 a month. So it's going to be another increase of $500 to $800 a month for these families. You know, some were given only 30 days. Some were given 60 days. And the law says it's 60 days. Now, when it comes to the eviction rules, your landlord can only evict you in specific situations and must give your written notice using the proper forms and must give you the reason for eviction. You know, so when it comes to some of these rights, because these townhomes were sold and the new buyers are changing them into condos. The tenants don't have any rights. They either buy the unit they're living in or they have to move. Now, far as I'm concerned, you know, when it comes to these eviction rules, you know, even if your landlord gives you a written notice, you don't have to move out. Your landlord must first apply and apply for and receive an eviction order from the landlord and tenants board. So far as I'm concerned, these people who are living in this particular townhouse, uh, townhouse, you've been given your notice to move. You don't have to move. If you want to if you want to stay in your unit, you can stay in your unit and they can take you to court. And I'll tell you right now, it'll be months before they even got a hearing because the tenants board is dealing with emergency evictions right now. It will be months down the road before they even got a hearing. And while they're trying to sell these places, you don't have to move out. And now for for the tenants, you know, you're supposed to have this protection against wrongful evictions. Now under these new rules in protecting tenants and strengthening the Community Housing Act, in the existing rules under the Residential Tenancy Act is to help ensure that tenants' rights are protected. Now, under the new law, the maximum fine for an offense under the Residential Tenancy Act has been doubled and can be up to $50,000 for an individual or $250,000 for a corporation. Now, the other problem that I have with, with when it comes to evictions, ladies and gentlemen, is the eviction for personal use. So the landlord wants to move in or the landlord wants to move his mother in or maybe his mother-in-law or maybe his son. And you've been renting this place for 10 years, 15 years, whatever the case may be, paying your rent on time all the time. 
the landlord can do this. Now, he has to do this in good faith, meaning that either himself or his mother or mother-in-law or son or daughter is going to move into that unit. What sometimes happens is that the landlord wants more money for the rent. He wants to increase his rent because when somebody moves out of the unit, he doesn't have to apply to the tenants board to get an increase. He can increase it whatever he wants to increase it to. So what's, but what's been happening sometimes is the landlord will say to you, well, I'm going to move my mother-in-law into this unit. You have to move out and doing it in bad faith. So if you were paying a thousand dollars a month and uh, now you have to move out, you have to go find a new place to live. You know, his uh, mother-in-law is going to move in apparently and the mother-in-law doesn't move in, he rents it to somebody else for $500 more a month. Now, if the tenant is paying attention to this and finds out that's what the landlord, landlord has done, after one year, the tenant, if he or she or they wish, can apply to the tenant board and they can be compensated for that $500 a month for one year. The landlord would have to pay if, in fact, he did this in bad faith. And, of course, you know, when it comes to um, or they're going to be selling the property and the purchase will be and the purchaser um, will be using it um, for themselves. Then you have to move up. But in the other case here where the, you know, the new buyers have bought up this whole townhouse complex, actually there's a couple of them, you know, uh, on the same street, you know, bought up these townhouse complexes and, and turning them into condos. So there's no protection for tenants when that, when that happens. And when it comes to, this is another one that really irks me, you know, the rental evictions. Your landlord must also compensate you if they evict you from your unit to renovate, repair, or demolish. Now, when it comes to these rental evictions, they must give you the right of first refusal to move back into the unit following following the rental renovation. You must notify your landlord in writing before you leave that you want them to offer you the unit when they complete the renovations. And under the new rules, if your landlord fails to provide you a right of first refusal, you have two years rather than one to file a claim with the landlords and tenants board for compensation. And now, like I said, when it came, when it comes to bad faith evictions, 
Landlords must act in good faith when, when evicting a tenant for reasons that are not the tenant's fault. So this means the landlord must have honest intentions to use the rental unit for the purpose stated on the eviction notice, saying that my mother-in-law is moving into the unit. The landlords will also be required to disclose their past use of no-fault evictions when applying for, for no-fault evictions. And this will give the board more information to consider when determining whether the application was made in good faith and an eviction order should be issued. Now, if the board determines, if the board determines that it's been given in bad faith, they must make an order requiring the landlord to pay the former tenant the sum of the difference between the last rent charge to the former tenant and the former tenant's current rent in their new unit for up to one year period. Like I said, if they increase that rent, then that's they're going to get $500 a month for 12 months. In a reasonable out-of-pocket moving and storage and other expenses the former tenant has incurred will also incur to the landlord when it comes to these bad faith evictions. So if you have to keep your stuff in a storage for a year because now you're, you're couch surfing, you just got to pay for this. And then and if it costs you to move, you had to hire a mover. It's going to pay for it. This is in bad faith evictions. Now, this applies to all bad faith evictions, including where the landlord does not allow the tenant to move back into the unit after the repairs. Oh, there's a problem with the connection. I, I'm, I'm clicking on here because you're here. Here we go. Now you're back. Okay, so you, so are you on here to talk to? Are you on here to talk to me? No. Okay, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to call in, um, talk to me. If you want to discuss the topic that I'm talking about, talk about it. If you're going to call in and just have background noise and not talk to me, don't bother calling in. I don't know how more clear I got to be about that. So anyways, I'm just going to move on here. Now, when it comes out of the out of pocket of moving, you know, the landlord will have to pay for this. Now, this applies to all bad faith, uh, bad faith evictions, including where the landlord does not allow the tenant to move back into the unit after the repairs. Hello.
Okay, anyways, sorry for the interruption, ladies and gentlemen. Now, like I said, when it when so if you decided that you're gonna move back in after the renovations, the landlord has to give you that option. And where he does not allow you to move back in after the repairs. And where the landlord or purchaser does not move in or use the unit themselves. So the new purchaser can say, oh, I'm going to live in the unit and then doesn't. And rents it out to somebody else, of course, for more money. That's a bad faith evictions. Now, when it comes to repayment agreements for protecting the tenants and strengthening community housing act of 2022 encourages landlords to try to negotiate a repayment agreement with a tenant before seeking evictions. If rent has not been paid during COVID-19. Now this is where a problem where we ran into for a lot of people that some decided not to pay their rent. Some decided only pay a portion of their rent. But those arrears still have to be caught up. Now, When the landlord applies for an eviction order for renters arrears, the landlord and tenant board must now consider whether the landlord tried to work with the tenants to catch up on the rent before seeking any, any, any evictions. So if you only paid a portion of your rent and now he's applied for the eviction, they have to determine whether there was any sort of an agreement or not. This is to encourage repayment agreements so evictions can be avoided. So when it comes to repayment, so you still have to pay your full month's rent and you're still going to have to pay on the arrears. And they're going to determine whether if this is sustainable and if it is sustainable and if you miss one payment on the arrears, the landlord does not have to go and reapply for your eviction. The eviction would stand. Now, so we have the repayment agreements. We have the formal repayment agreements. So we encourage the landlords and tenants to work together to establish fair arrangements for repayment of rent. If a landlord applies to the board for an eviction based on non-payment of rent, the landlord and tenant may settle the eviction application by reaching a formal repayment agreement that is approved by the board. So like I said, you still have to. If you come into agreement with this, you still have to make your regular monthly rent and you have to have that repayment agreement. You have to save it's even $200 more a month in the 
landlord agrees to this, you have to pay that extra $200, which goes towards the arrears. Now, so we have the repayment agreements, the formal repayments, and then they have the informal repayment agreements with, if you are struggling to meet a repayment agreement that the landlord did not approve, your landlord still must apply. I guess they do have to apply it with the board because I've heard where they didn't have to. So if you are struggling to meet that repayment agreement, then your landlord still must apply to the board for an eviction hearing. And at the hearing, you would be able to explain why you were unable to follow the repayment agreement. See, this has now changed. Um, because before this, the landlord did not have to apply again if you did not follow that agreement. So it still gives you a second opportunity to explain yourself why you haven't been able to keep that agreement, I guess, in the, in these, in these new rules. Now, repayment agreements, whether formal or, or informal, do not allow landlords to evict a tenant without an order from the board. Tenants will continue to be able to request a hearing at the board. The board, can consider the circumstances of each case to determine whether or not an eviction order should be issued. So if the next month or third month or four months, I guess, if you continue not to come up with the arrears in the agreement that you had agreed upon, then you can keep requesting a hearing. But I mean, sooner or later, I mean, the board is going to, look at it and say, what is going on here? And why are you still not being able to, to meet, to meet these obligations that you agreed to? Now there's also mediation. So the mediation can be used to help resolve disputes faster and easier. It is less formal and intimidating than the traditional hearing process. So it's intended to help start a conversation between tenants and the landlords under the guidance of, an, of a neutral mediator who knows the rights and responsibilities under the Residential Tenancy Act. So you don't have to be in that courtroom with a bunch of other people facing evictions and, and listening to your business. The landlord, the tenant, can go off into a, another room with a mediator and discuss the problem, hopefully come up with a solution, and they don't have to go back into the court to go before the board. An agreement will be written up and signed by the tenant and the landlord. Some people would probably, you know, feel better, you know, than having to stand up at the hearing in front of everybody, you know, who else is going on? Now, what's happened here to, um, you know, over this pandemic, um, when it comes to rent increase limits and the rent freeze for 2021, and the government of Ontario has passed this law to freeze rent 
at the 2020 levels. So that means that rents will not increase in 2021 for the vast majority of rented units covered under the Residential Tenancy Act. And that's high-rise apartment buildings, townhouses, single dwellings, if you're renting and stuff like that, right? So rented houses, apartments, and condos, including units occupied for the first time for the residential purpose after November the 15th, 2018, basement apartments, care homes, including retirement homes. You know, I was just talking to my parents the other day and they said back in August, they, they had a rent increase. And I said, they can't, they can't increase your rent. And they live, they live in a retirement home. So care homes, including retirement homes, there's a rent freeze. Mobile home parks, land lease communities, rent geared to income units and, and market uh, rent units and community housing. Affordable housing units created through various federally or provincially funded programs. It cannot give you your annual increase. You know, generally it's around maybe $40, $50 more a month. You know, so they can't. And this may be extended in, into uh, 2022. You know, the way, the way we're seeing things going right now, you know, here, here in Ontario, you know, uh, with the uh, increase in cases that we're starting to see, you know, down from the summertime when we were only seeing maybe a couple hundred cases in the entire province, now we're seeing over a thousand cases. And it has nothing to do with the new variant. You know, if, if, if these cases keep going up and getting higher and higher, I mean, we don't want to see, you know, with the reopening plan that we're doing here in Ontario, we don't want to see that going backwards. You know, we can hold, we can hold on what the government is doing now for the reopening plan. I don't think we'll have to change anything there. Now, they do have some exceptions um, above guideline increase approved by the landlord and tenant board prior to October 2021 may be applied to, uh, to 2021 rents. New above guidelines increase must still be approved by the landlords and tenants board and may still be applied to 2021 rents if they are the cost related to eligible capital repairs and security services. Now, So yes, tenants do have do do have have their rights. But I think when it comes to the when it comes to the landlord coming to you and saying, Oh look, you know, I know you're a good tenant, you've been here for years, but you know, I gotta I, I'm gonna move my mother in law into your unit. That should be stopped. That, that should not even be allowed whatsoever. You've been renting. You've been paying your rent on time. You never caused a problem. You're quiet. 
not bothering other tenants. You know, that should, that should not even be allowed to happen. Then they should be able to, I mean, they should be able to go rent someplace else. Why does it have to be your, why does it have to be your apartment? Why does it have to be the townhouse that you live in? Well, I'm going to have my mother-in-law move in there and he has to make this in good faith. And he, then she will have to move in there. Some landlords use this clause to get more rent. And a lot of people don't know and understand their rights when it comes to landlords making bad faith evictions. And even if you suspect it, I mean, for instance, if your landlord says to you, he comes to you, you know, at the end of your term, you know, and, and says, oh, I'm going to increase the rent from a thousand to fifteen hundred. Well, first and foremost, you can't raise it that much. I think here, here in the province, well, here in the city, I think it's only like one point nine percent. You know, and the landlords say, you know, things are getting more expensive. You know, I got to increase the rent and. and and stuff like that. And then the, you know, the wheels are turning in the landlord's head and thinking, Hmm, I can, I can use this other clause here and say, Oh, my mother-in-law or, or my ex-wife or my soon to be ex-wife, you know, is going to move in here. You know, and doesn't so that he can get $500 more a month from a new, from a new tenant. Now we have a spring election coming up. Well, yeah, early early next June we have we have this uh, provincial election coming up, and so the Liberal Party wants to um, pass a law that when people move out of apartments or townhomes um, or whatever the case may be. Is that, you know, for an example, if you're paying $1,100 a month and you move out, they want to make it so that the next people move in, that it's $1,100 a month, not $1,800 a month for the same one bedroom. And this is why so many people, so many people are are, you know, finding it hard to find reasonable accommodations and reasonable rent. Because 30% of your income goes to a roof over your head. Now, when you have a family, a mom and dad and kids, you know, in, in, in this case, what I was talking about earlier with these new buyers buying up these townhomes, turning them into condos, these families have to move out. They're offered to buy the unit if they wish and if they, if, if they can afford it. 
You know, and you can't buy property without money down. You have to have a down payment. And right now it's around 20%. Now, how many of these families in these townhome complexes have 20% of $465,000? Probably not many or none. And they will have to move out. And from going from paying $1,000 a month and if they can find another townhome, it's going to be fifteen dollars to $1,700 a month or more. Because for those who can't afford to buy right now, they're not moving. They're staying put. So there is a shortage of rentals. And where are these families going to go? Imagine the size of the uh, of the of the townhouse complex. You know, you you have two hundred units. Where are these Where are these families going to go? They're going to move in with family, move in with friends until they can find something. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for joining me. You know, and, and there you go, you know, when, when uh, um, owners sell properties and the new owners come along, they either going to live in it themselves or turn it into a condo. And if you can't afford to buy it, then you have to move. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. But what can we do to stop buyers from buying up townhouse complexes and turning them into condos? We can't. There's no law saying they can't. Buying up a townhouse properties Turning them into condos and it's for profit only. They don't care. They don't care if you've been living there for 10 years, 20 years. They don't care. Nobody even saw, nobody even saw this coming. Everybody there has paid the rent every single month. Kids go to school, mom and dad go to work. They find out the complex has been sold. Don't know what's going on. The new owners say we're turning them into condos. Can you afford to buy? No, well, you have to go. And we have a shortage we have a housing crisis. We never kept up with things. Populations grow every year. We never kept up with this. And we wait till it becomes a crisis. 
to deal with it. Just like the homeless. You know, government after government, whether it's federal, provincial, municipality, I mean, what were they thinking? They think that the homeless will just go away? We have a homeless crisis. And now they they decide that, oh, well, we have to do something about this. Oh, it's far worse than what we thought. Well, you didn't think. All the homeless shelters will take care of it. They got beds for people every night. They don't have enough beds for people every night. The other factor when it comes to homelessness is that the people, the people that you don't see. And those people are the ones that are living with family or friends couch surfing. Yes, they go to work every day, but they do not have a place to call home. And this housing crisis is only getting bigger. And every single day, the governments you sit down and say, oh, we have to get together and talk about this and come up with, with plans and initiatives that cost money. Taxpayers dollars pay for this. They don't sit around and talk about this for free. They get paid. And and what I feel, sorry about that, that was my phone. So what I feel right now, I have to mute this because that is going to call back in probably about three seconds. Where's my settings? Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. This is hilarious. I do got to kind of take it, but I can't right now. So, anyways, sorry about that. I should have muted it before I started my show. But, um, yeah, so now to get back to what I was talking about here. Now, when it comes to affordable rent, my opinion with the existing apartment buildings out there and townhomes, is that 30% of those units should be affordable rent. 30%. And it's not. It may be, uh, you know, you get a, a 10 story building and you might have five units in there that are affordable. Other than that, 
you know, that's it. So 30% of that building should be affordable rent. But we can't do, we can't do anything about, you know, buyers coming along and buying up these properties, these, these, these uh, townhome properties and turning them into condos. And now you have to move. We can't do anything about that. And that's really unfortunate for all these families who are now finding themselves in a situation where they got 60 days to move out and to find new accommodations when there isn't really much out there when it comes to renting townhomes. And even if they found a three bedroom apartment, now you got, you know, you got a three bedroom apartment, you know, it's like $1,700 a month up from what you were paying of a thousand dollars a month for a three bedroom townhouse. You got mom and dad, brother and sister. Four people living in a three bedroom apartment where you had a three bedroom townhouse and you had three levels and everybody can get away from one another. And even so they go rent another townhouse. It's going to cost them anywhere from 15, 1500 to $2,000 a month. If they can find a place even around 1500. And we can't stop the fact that the buyers come in and buy it and change them into condos. That'd be like a buyer coming in and buying in a, in a, a, a 10 story building and changing all those units into condos. And for those who would not be able to afford to buy them, they would have to move. And the cost in, in, in the cost of rent going up, the cost of uh, of mortgages going up. People are staying put for those who can't afford it because all these bidding wars going on out there. You know, houses listing for six hundred and fifty thousand selling for over seven hundred thousand. I mean, people can only get a mortgage. If they can afford it, right? You have to apply for it. So you get you get approved for the mortgage at six hundred fifty thousand. Somebody else comes back and offers more a hundred thousand dollars more. Well, guess what? The bank isn't going to give you a hundred thousand dollars more. So you're out of luck. Another problem that people are facing when it comes to buying is there, there's a couple builders out there and they, they decided that they're going to tear up the original contract and one, and one builder now wants $100,000 more for the condo that you purchased. Here's your $40,000 back or you pay me $100,000 more. Well, because, you know, this pandemic, you know, the cost of lumber has gone up. We've been building these, you've been building these places for the last two years, three years. 
And now all of a sudden, these builders want $100,000 more. And another builder not in a town not too far from outside the city, he wants 25, 25% more. Now there's this, you know, I was reading this story. There's this couple. They just got married. They put a down payment on the on the uh, on the uh, the new build, and they're hoping, you know, this is great. You know, we just got married. We're gonna move in. And the the uh, the builder comes back and says, "No, I want twenty five percent more." They don't have twenty five percent more. And this young couple. They live in two separate towns. So now they only get to see each other on weekends. So he's living with his parents and she's living with with her parents. You know, because now these builders want more money than the original contract. You know, you know, now the builders are now the builders are being taken to court. You know, it's like, it's like you go and buying a brand new car and you go into the dealership the day that you're going to sign for the car and the dealership says, well, you know, because of shortage of parts and, and stuff like that, you know, we want $10,000 more for the car. I don't think so. Absolutely ridiculous. And same with these builders. You know, the nerve to come back to the buyers and the one particular saying, oh, I want $100,000 more because the, the cost, because of the cost of the products and everything to build the house. That's not my problem. We have a contract. I gave you 40000 or $50,000 down. You build the damn house at the price that I'm paying for it, and that's the end of it. So now they have these class action lawsuits going on. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's bad enough, you know, for people to try to find affordable rent. You know, I get very concerned, you know, for my, my, my grandkids and, and what the future is going to lo- look like for them. You know, when they, you know, grow up and they want to, you know, move out, start their lives. You know, what is the rent going to be like out there? What are the jobs are going to be like out there? What are the good paying jobs are going to be like out there? You know, I hope they decide to go to college or something, you know, and get a a really good trade. You know, for someone, you know, you know, for the city that I reside in here, for someone to be able to buy at the market the way it is right now, you would have to be making about a hundred and Fifty thousand a year in order to buy right now. 
in the city that I live in. That's ridiculous. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you could put down $5,000. Buy a house for 114000 you know, 150000 Now the house is over 650000 And that's not a new house. That's a house someone's been living in for 30, 40 years. Building new houses in this city, I mean, they're over 900000 to a million. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, I really don't know, you know, what direction this is going to go. But, you know, when it when it comes to, um, you know, renting and, and these, um, the tenants' rights, I mean, tenants really have few rights um, when it comes to the Landlord's Tenants Act here. Ontario, Canada, I feel that the, 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 the landlords, you know, have the upper hand, you know, if they go through the right channels and the right things where the tenants really, you know, they don't have as much as rights as they should. So I want to thank you for taking the time out of your Saturday afternoon, joining me here on the truckers podcast. Um, go out there. If you've got things to do for the rest of the afternoon, enjoy yourself. And, um, I will be, um, back out, um, tomorrow morning, um, around a 11 AM. And I'll have that up on the Podbean um, site, um, in a little bit. So take care and thank you for coming out. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. Take care and thank you.